Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Lainey Mays. And I'm Grace Catanolo. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. We bring librarians and great books together. The new year brings new offerings from our podcast. The first episode of the month will have book presentations, author interviews, voicemails from librarians like you, and more. And our mini episode halfway through the month features our Library Reads winners. Don't miss our winning authors' acceptance speeches. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, everyone. It's Lainey and Virginia and Grace. We're all here and we're very excited for this new life of our Library Love Fest podcast. Hi, everybody. Hello, Hello everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah. Can we say that? Someone asked what the limitations were on Happy New Year. Is like February 1st when you stop saying it? or I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be weird to say it in June. Well, I don't like these rules, so. <laughs> just very, just, no, I, I refuse. I will say, I mean, it's always a new year until the next one. <gasps> oh, true that. If you wish somebody a Happy New Year in August, they might be like, when did you get out? <laughs> just get out. Okay, so, well, depending on how you think of us, Happy New Year or <laughs> or welcome here. I don't know, but it's almost <laughs> February. And um, when we're recording this, it's February for you listening. We have a new podcast for you. So the Library Love Fest podcast, as you heard from the top of the show, is all about HarperCollins adult titles from the library marketing team. Yeah, so we're <laughs> continuing. We have, I don't, I should have this at the ready, but we have so many great backlist of episodes, but I think, you know, once a week was a lot and we could kind of congregate all of that into one podcast for you. So we've started a new format. We'll have two episodes every month. The first one is this. Welcome. You did it. That's the hardest part. You've already, you're already <laughs> here. So it's good. The second part will be our library reads episode, which is is going to be fairly close to to what we already do, where we announce our winners and it goes out in our newsletter. It's a fun acceptance speech of sorts for for authors who make the library reads list. But I think on this one, we're just going to try to make it an extravaganza of of titles and authors and and us being here to wish you a happy new year or just a happy February, either one. And tell you about some things we have coming up. Yeah. The cornucopia of love. Ooh, I like that. Book love. <laughs> so what's first? Well, we have an interview with our own Bethany Johnsrud, who we adore. If you come to our booth at events like ALA, you might see Bethany in the booth sometimes. And so Bethany is the national account rep. She She's fantastic, and she knows our books so well. So I don't know if I've ever seen her in a grumpy mood, I have to say. She's just a ball of light, and that comes through on this interview with her. So let's talk to Bethany. So, Bethany, you're responsible for uh, selling Harper's digital audio catalog into the library channel. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit, but before we do, I just have to say, 
and I think Grace and uh, Lainey will agree with me that you are one of the most enthusiastic book talkers <clears throat> under the roof of Collins Publishers. Is enthusiastic in every way. Like when you've read something, you are so at the ready to let people know about it, tell them why you love it. You're so widely read. And um, I just appreciate when you do that because it's just, you just, you're, you're just, uh, your enthusiasm and excitement for titles when you really love them, everybody knows about it. It's very cool. So thank you so much. Yeah. Do you ever think about like if you had gone into a different field or a different kind of job? but your current personality is what's doing that job. And like, how would I use, like, I get pumped about things sometimes. How would that be useful? At like, like, I could never be a funeral home director. And no one talks I, about stocks like that. No. Nobody talks about stocks like that. I mean, I have to say I would listen more if they did. And funeral director, you know, maybe somebody needs that sunshine. I think you could make That's any true. job work for you. Also, I want to note that when she said you were... So great you were doing the champion hands. I never know how to search for that gif where you put your little two fists, you know, on yeah. either side of your face and you shake them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really only agreed to do this podcast because I knew it would be loads of compliments heaped on me, just heaps of compliments. <laughs> All right. So speaking of enthusiasm, let's I want to get okay. Talk to us. What do you love in these days? Allow Ms. me to get psyched. Um, I did I did tell Lainey what I was gonna talk about ahead of time. Um, I am going to throw in the curveball of just giving a quick mention of like big books, big voices that are coming soon that I'm really psyched, like genuinely very excited for everybody to finally get to listen to. We've got, excuse me, a lot of giant memoirs that are coming that it like if if I'm I'm not doing my job if I'm not talking about these daily because it's a who's who. It's Pamela Anderson. Quick side note: I was at a dinner one day and it was a bunch of people I didn't know. And so I played a fun game. I said, you know, guys, I sell audiobooks. We've got a big audiobook that hasn't been announced yet. Can any, and it's by like an A-list uh, person. Can you guess who it is? We had to go around the table like four different times before somebody finally guessed Pamela Anderson. And I was, you know, it was a 20 question situation. We, we erupted like just the joy over Pamela Anderson having a book out shook the restaurant. Anyway, we're psyched about it. Pamela Anderson. Paris Hilton, Ari Shapiro from NPR, who's besties with Alan Cumming, which I absolutely love. Cheetah freaking Rivera. We're going to have that one in English and in Spanish. I cannot wait. Bill Bellamy, which I'm a 90s kid. I'm so excited for that. Um, and then Aisha Harris, who does Pop Culture Happy Hour, has a book coming out this summer. I'm obsessed. I'm reading it right now. And it I can't stop scrolling. It's so good. Same girlfriend. And she, she obviously, why wouldn't she record it? But she's recording it and it's phenomenal. What's called Wannabe, I think. Wannabe. Which is like, what better title for like a 90s? Like, I know exactly what I'm getting when I open that book. I'm like, yep, done. I said it to my friend the other day. I was like, if I said Wannabe, what would you think? They're like, that's Voice Girls. I'm like, yes. A thousand percent psyched for it. They're really like, having their moment right now. Like, the 90s are really in full swing again. Oh. I wish that I had cut the list of books, like even what did I say? Pamela Anderson and Paris Hilton, Bill Bellamy, total 90s. Like, yeah, there it's everywhere. I'm psyched for it. Not as excited for the fashion coming back. It did not look great on my body. I'm not thrilled about seeing it again. 
those little the little tattoo necklaces i don't need to see those ever again but i don't think i have butterfly any. clips bethany okay i did actually buy some butterfly I have mine clips in. the other day oh oh grace actually has them on oh yeah. my gosh oh that just endeared me to you so hard grace um okay other big things that i want to talk about i need to talk about my favorite voice on the planet and i'm not talking who's the guy that did the darth vader voice James Earl Jones. Thank you. He is no longer the person that I want to just like read the is that even a thing that we say anymore? I could listen to great to James Earl Jones um read the telephone book to me. But I guess telephone books don't exist anymore. Anyway, I would yeah. choose yeah. I would choose Tabitha Brown to read the telephone book to me. Thousand percent. That's funny. Um, she has a book coming out soon. It's actually a journal called Seen, Loved, and Heard, which again, I just love that title. The cover is so good. Um, so it's going to be a journal in print. And then we're also doing it in audiobook, which I'm psyched about. So it's going to be like the, the actual material from the journal is completely reworked so that it listens like it's a personal coaching session. And then she's like, it's Tab's voice guiding you through like all of these little journaling prompts that you can do on your own. Um, she helps you do like some introspection and then she gives you mantras and reminders and encouragements. We live for Tab's encouragement. So this is like a, it's like one of those audiobooks that you don't, maybe you don't listen to, you know, straight through for like the story or the self-helpiness of it, but you might listen to it like as like a devotional or like a quick bite kind of a thing when you just like, when it's the gross part of the afternoon, when it's three o'clock and you need to pick me up, you just like, bing, put a little Tabitha in your ears. Oh, guys. It's going to be so I good. love that as like a journal. I've never really thought of having journals as audiobooks, but that probably would be cool for like, yeah, journaling. You can set your time and you know that little clip is going to be there and then you can pause it. That's, mm-hmm. I feel like you that can goes, like, oh, go ahead, Grace. I feel like that goes really well with like the type of like artist way, Julia Cameron type of book. Like, I think that would work really well in audio. Totally. And like, you can actually buy the print version of the journal that, that we made. And listen to the audiobook and do the journal at the same time. Or you've got the audiobook, just like pick up a piece of paper, pick up a post-it note and do it yourself. Perfect for libraries. Exactly. Or, you know, you're listening to it on your phone. Bing, bing, bonk. You got your little notes app in there. I'm learning a lot during this. I'm I'm, I'm still stuck on the butterfly clips. <laughs> um, do you know who would love butterfly clips? I think. I think Stephanie Clifford, the author of the next book that I'm going to talk about. All right. Yeah. Super into the butterfly clips. Your transitions are chef's kiss. Choice. And I really do think that actually the cover of of the farewell tour has a butterfly clip color scheme to it. And I can't explain how I feel that way, but I do. I know that you guys have been talking this book to death and I'm going to continue it. Um, The audiobook for the farewell, the audiobook. For the farewell tour, so special. First of all, the tone of the narrator's voice is like this really beautiful richness. And the, the narrator's first name is Carrington, which I absolutely love. Isn't that like the greatest name ever? Um, so anyway, okay, do you guys ever have this? You read a manuscript or a book, and then you, but you're also hearing a voice in your head kind of reading it to you. Um, and then you listen to the audiobook later, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's the voice that was in my head while I was reading this. Does that happen to anybody? Just me? I don't know that that does, but it might. If I, I don't know that I read a lot of books and then go listen to the audio a second time around, you know? So maybe. Wow. Okay. Like I either do either or. So maybe that's why. 
I would love for people to like, I don't know, write into you guys and tell you if they actually do that. Read the text of a book and oh, then listen well to then it. That's genuine. That's very interesting, Bethany. And that's a fabulous yeah. suggestion for our next question on our uh, our podcast, because we're, we're sending out questions and asking librarians to call in with their answers. And so that's it's a really interesting um, approach. So thank you very much. Hey, no Doing problem. work for us. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for, kids. Carry my books from school, please. <laughs> I'm so cute. Um, okay, wait. What was I saying? I was talking about the farewell tour and about how the narrator's voice is amazing. And how, like, she, I heard that was the voice that I was hearing when I was reading the book. So then when she was cast, I was like, oh, that's it. Okay. So, but then the great thing, you remember how there was lyrics throughout the book? So what Carrington McDuffie did, the narrator, she sang the lyrics. So she like, so it's not like you're listening to an actual song because there's no music behind it, but she made up like a little tune for these lyrics. And so she's singing them to you. And I can see Grace's face doing what everybody's faces should be doing, which is like having joyful wonder spread across it as you're listening to her sing to you. That's such a good way to describe it. I think my jaw dropped a bit and yeah. (laughs) It's beautiful. So anyway, anyone who's like super into Dolly Parton, get into this book, The Farewell Tour. I think you're going to love it. Here you come again. Yeah, love us. Straight line from Dolly to Stephanie Clifford. We could only hope. Uh, Oh, was that that Dolly? Did she come into the podcast? Dolly, you can't be on here right now. We've got audio. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll go make some more muffins with my new muffin mix. I'm not gonna lie. When you said, "Oh, is that Dolly?" I literally looked around, like, "Is she here now?" Yes, oh, she's right behind you in a story of queens. <laughs> Dolly in the room with you. <laughs> she's Dolly she's the making these room. muffins now. She's got a whole Dolly Parton muffin mix because she's the queen of everything. Totally. Okay, next book. Psyched about this. One. I'm psyched about everything, though. I know. Um, kind we're saving by Peter Swanson. And let me say this: Peter Swanson on his own, fabulous author. Cannot get enough of this guy. I will also say for everybody, like the literal millions who are out there reading Lucy Foley and you've got this Lucy Foley itch that needs scratching. Peter Swanson is the one to go to, in my opinion, in my not so humble opinion. Um, So the next book is The Kind Word Saving, Beloved. Because he is a Hall of Fame library reads person. So everybody in the library loves him. Perfect. Love it. And I mean, imagine getting into Peter Swanson through The Kind Word Saving and then going back into his backlist and then reading forward, like oh all God. of those gems that you've got. Yeah. His books are so good. That, I mean, he's just a, oh. such a really cool writer. And it's uh, he's he's a great storyteller. I love his writing. I agree. Every single one of his books. Okay. you okay, If you read The Kind Worth Saving, you will never look at a jetty the same way again. I'm now a little creeped out by jetties when I go to the ocean, to the beach. Um, because of a very pivotal scene in it that I cannot spoil, but I like every single book does that. I read it in a sitting and then there's something in it that like, I'll see it in everyday life and be like, Ooh, and I'll get the shivers, you know? Oh, love it. What was I going to say about the audiobook? Four great narrators on the audiobook Cause there are a couple different points of view that are happening. <clears throat> and I will say, I don't think that I've ever read the kind worth killing, which is technically the first book in this little duology. And you don't need to have read it. So anyone out there who's like, oh, no, I can't read book two and I haven't read book one. Please go for it. It will not kill you. 
Let's see what else. I also want to give an honorable mention because I said I was going to talk about three books. Lainey, I've not talked about three books. I want to give an honorable mention to this fabulously inventive literary spook of a novel, Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Roshni Chokshi. OMG, please, everybody, when it comes out, pick it up. So immersive and talk about a book that does not leave you. Um, We've all read it. There's I a- listened to the audiobook of that one. Which happened to. So I can say that I agree with you. That one was so beautiful. And also the dual narrators, like mm-hmm. there's a male voice and a female voice. And the whole time I was like doing something. I was like getting ready and I had it playing. And I had to rewind it like three times. because I was like, I can't, I have to hear this again. Like they're just so immersive and kind of creepy. You're just like, wait, what yeah. happened? Oh, so it's what is Steve West. And he's read books by Saba Tahir and Megan Whalen Turner, which like makes total sense for what this for what this Roshni Chakshi book is. And then Sura Shu, who's the other voice on the book, she reads for like Tom Parada and Kazuo Ishiguro. And she was the narrator on The Last Map Maker, which it was announced today um, as we're recording this, was is a Newbery Honor book. Um, so she's the voice on that book and they're the two that do this. And it's just like, they, they just like clink, they come together so perfectly. And it's just like, I don't know. It was like Me- Mexican Gothic and Aaron Morgenstern's Night Circus had this like beautiful little book baby that just like those two books, I can't, can we talk really quickly about that scene where there's a braid, a little braid, a person's braid that appears and I won't say where it appears but I think about that little scene daily, daily, literally thinking about Roshni Chakshi every single day since I read this book. See, this is what I'm talking about. So, okay. Let me say, we've got hundreds of books coming out in the next few months. I'm excited for lots of them for little reasons, but those, those are my faves lately. All right. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And thanks again for all of your gems. Your words of wisdom and uh, your happy heart. Oh, thank you. Oh, you guys warm it. She's a fabulous book talker. I love listening to her. And she's just, she's just a, a very positive person and very funny and very smart. She's great. I just love hearing from Bethany. It's always like energizing. It's like taking a shot of espresso. And next, we get to hear from VP Editorial Director of Amistad, Abby West. So we're here today with Abby West, VP and Editorial Director of Amistad, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers. Abby is a recovering journalist and true pop culture junkie whose years at prominent media organizations such as Essence Entertainment Weekly and People have given her a love of stories that explore, empower, and celebrate underrepresented communities. Before joining HarperCollins, Abby led inclusive content programming at Audible and co-founded the Black Employee Network and Audible ERG. She also serves on the boards for Be The Match, National Marrow Donor Program, and the Children's Law Center of New York. Abby, it's so nice to have you on the show talking to us about Amistad. Virginia, so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about so much of what we've got going on here. I can't wait to tell you about it. 
Yeah. So you started at Amistad in the fall of 2022. We're now in the beginning of 2023. And um, do you want to just tell folks a little bit about what you do at Amistad and then, you know, what your what your outlook is? What do you hope to, um, you know, affect change um, here at Amistad? And also, most importantly, what books are you excited about? I think all those things are wrapped up together. Um, you know, I, I came to Amistad because of the amazingly rich legacy that it has as a 36-year-old now at this point, uh, imprints and uh, occupying the space within mainstream publishing with a focus on Black authors and Black audiences in a way that I, I just knew we were at a inflection point where we can take it further and, and build on that legacy. And, you know, getting here in the fall and having titles like uh, Joloff Rice and, um, sorry, Joloff Rice and Other Revolutions and Black Women Will Save the World by April Ryans or uh, The Way Home by Cartier Brown, like, and then leading into uh, other memoirs <laughs> that were just amazing to have on the list just sort of solidified that idea that we already have great stuff here. We have um, authors, a backlist of titles, editors who are very deeply engaged with the writing and the culture and the communities. And how do we continue to tie the past, the present, and look forward to the future? And that's what we're doing. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, things are ever changing and we're so glad that you're here to help you know promote new authors new stories and new directions you have a couple of books that you wanted to talk about that just came out yeah, and then yeah. you have a couple of books that you're really looking forward to you know spring summer mm -hmm. fall 2023 yeah yeah i think i'm still marinating in the joy that was wade in the water by nyani nkrumah which came out in earlier this month in January. Um, and it is just a really deeply immersive experience. It's her debut novel that reads like someone who's been doing this for a much longer time than she has uh, and just takes you down on, on a journey um, again. And very, I, I think one of the reasons I connected with it is really it's emblematic of exactly what, what I'm trying to do, tying the past to the present in in, in a really meaningful way, because it's, you know, it's set in the early 80s, but it connects things from the civil rights era to that point in time and feels crazily um, resonant for today's audiences as well. It's a tale of sort of female power and vulnerability, and it's set in small Mississippi town in the early 80s, um, and it's about the unlikely friendship between the precocious Black girl and a mysterious white woman who comes into town. I want to get into more, but I feel like it's it would be too spoilery. Am I am I right there, <laughs> Grace? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think um, I just really loved this one. I think it was a really refreshing narrative from what we've seen. And I studied history in college, and I feel like when you read historical fiction, no one fight me on the 1980s being historical fiction because unfortunately <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I'm pained, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I just I think. This is just so, like I said, refreshing. I don't know if there's a better way to describe it. And and you said earlier, immersive, and that you can't stop saying immersive, but it really like feels like you're going back in time in a way that's, um, you know, ir irreplaceable. Yeah. So, you know, this one is 
it's out in the world and getting amazing critical acclaim. And it's just a joy to see people connect with it. You know, it's one of the things I, as editorial director here, I get to oversee the um, work of so many brilliant people here at Harper One Group within Harper Collins um, and Amistad editors in particular. And this was one that was already in progress when I got here. And I was just so happy to be part of the shepherding it out into the world. So that is just one of the many shows, but that one's the lingering one for me. Yeah. I, so let's just talk about some forthcoming books from, say, you know, spring season. What's, what are you excited about? Well, in February, we're having um, Black Earth Wisdom by Leah Penniman coming out. And that's a soulful collection of essays and interviews that explore Black people's spiritual and scientific connection to the land, waters, and climate. And it's curated by Leah Penniman, who's the acclaimed author of Farming While Black and the co-founder of Soul Fire Farm. Uh, and it is, it's a really sort of thought-provoking way of looking at, how, you know, the connection to the land and environmentalism that I think I would not have thought about. And it, it comes from someone who's so deeply connected to the earth itself, but also to the community of folks who are very invested in um, living our best natural lives and connecting that to our history. So I think that's something that even for folks who don't think that they would be going down or interested in this road, I think it's definitely worth a, a read. I actually, I fell into a rabbit hole on Leah's website one time and I was just so interested in the way she talked about like Afro-Indigenous like farming things and things that like I've never even thought of. Like, I grew up in a farming community and I was like, why doesn't everyone do this? This makes so much more sense. And it was just one of those, you know, it was a great rabbit hole to fall down. And I'm, I'm also really excited for this one to come out. Yeah, I think you hit on it. It's the thoughtfulness, just the way um, she's able to connect the dots and really um, make you feel connected to this entire movement that you may not have thought was for you or, you know, I, I live in the city or I do this and this is not my world, but it is. And it's something that you should really get interested in and and see how you can make it your, your space. So, you know, it includes um, experts and, and names like Alice Walker and Dr. Ayana, Elizabeth Johnson. You know, there are just a number of people you're going to want to hear from in here. Can you talk a little bit about Connie Briscoe's forthcoming book? You never know. I love this book. I know. I mean, it's 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 really great to have her back. In, you know, as this revered best-selling New York Times best-selling author, but this is going to be her first domestic suspense novel, um, and it is everything you want it to be. It's electrifying. I dare I say immersive yet again, but it keeps you on your toes and it's, you know, twisty and tension filled thriller um, about a hearing impaired woman who is has to fight her own terrors as she's fighting for her life. Um, again, it's another one that I don't want to spoil too much, but, you know, there she does what she does best, which is takes you on this incredible journey. Um, so. I, I, as someone, Virginia, who's been there from early days with her, I think this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I was so excited to see that we had her back on the list after so many years. And what I just recently interviewed her and what I loved about uh, the book was that while the character um, is hearing impaired and has recently um, received a cochlear implant, as 
the author had, but she had her cochlear implant, you know, I think she said 20 years ago or something like that. I mean, it's a fairly long time ago, but still, um, what I thought was really cool about this book is that I love that there's representation of that, of, but, but, and that's an element of it, but is, it doesn't, de it doesn't distract from right. the story, which is unbelievable. And when you open the first page, you're in there and it's, mm -hmm. there's no good place to stop. I love when there are no good places to stop in a book and the characters are so great, but there's this element, like you say, you know, the character has to rely on her heightened senses, her other senses when she doesn't have the cochlear implant on them. It's on the, it's nighttime. It's on the dresser and there's somebody is in the house. It's, and there's vibrations. I mean, she's really, mm -hmm. she's just so Karen Slaughter said she's, she's meant for domestic suspense. No yeah. kidding. No kidding. Yeah. This is, the, this is the exact kind of like intersectionality and diversity that we want from our books, right? It's, it's organic. It's a lived experience that some of many of us do not know. And we're being taken into this world in a way that is, again, feels organic. It just feels like you should be there. It is not, it's not like a look at this, look at me. I'm doing this thing it is just part of the story in such a, an amazing way. But this is exactly the kind of intersectionality that I want more of. And that's exactly how I felt reading it. I did not feel like, oh, okay, you know, here we're going to tell you about this person who has this hearing thing and now watch this. It doesn't feel that way. You're just in a, you're getting a great story. Mm -hmm. Really great. Yeah. And just to, I think it's a good time to jump in and say that on the podcast, this one you're listening to right now, you can hear from Connie because Virginia interviewed Connie Briscoe. And so just keep listening and you get to hear more from the author themselves. And I, I imagine you'll get to hear just how she structured and got into this and brings us into this world. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing this interview. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. Further down the road, what's what's coming um, in March, we've got um, Africana by Lerada Uma Shaler, which, you know, I, I, like I said, I mentioned when I first got here, we were um, launching Cartier Brown's The Way Home. And that was another cookbook slash culinary adventure um, that really connected with folks. And Africana is also looking, it's a celebration of African cooking and cultural diversity. Um, and it's uh, Lerada. Uma Shaler is a pioneering West African food writer, television personality, and cooking teacher. Um, and it's a pretty magnificent cookbook that just like a eating tour of Af of the African continent. Like it's a good chance for all us all of us home cooks to learn how to create some of the most iconic African dishes from Nigeria to Madagascar or and Morocco. I mean, if you've been like me watching the um jollof rice debates amongst the African continents and, and, and folks, uh, I think it's a good chance to jump in there and see what you can do yourself. Can you talk about Ian Smith and, and Harper taking over the Ash Kane series? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about getting this one out into the world because Ash Kane, the Chicago PI that he is, is, has been something that Ian has been developing um, over the years and has built this audience that is really invested in seeing him move forward um, and, you know, take on things that uh, high profile cases that have this race against the clock sort of um, piece to it. 
Um, and Abby, can you talk a little bit about Bill Bellamy? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got top villain coming up um, from this M MTV trailer. For, for anyone who mentions the 80s as historical fiction, I'm sure you might not remember that he was, you know, an MTV trailblazer, but I do, I vividly remember seeing him doing these, these sort of hip hop and, and pop culture interviews on MTV and then changing his career to become a stand up comedian and an actor. And in his um, new memoir, you know, he likes to consider himself like the nerdy version of um, 50 Cent in his hustle harder, hustle smarter group. So, you know, he talks about growing up in Newark and making it big despite the, the skepticism of his family. But his memoir is going to connect with a lot of folks who, you know, watched his career grow, but also can see that um, not so much rags to riches, but that growth and, and development into the star that he is and sees that as a point of empowerment. Um, if I remember correctly, when we spoke to Bethany about audiobooks, um, he will actually be narrating it. No one else could do that. Um, and I think it'll be a really great opportunity to listen. Well, I have a question not related to books at all. <laughs> Go for it. So you're a self-proclaimed pop culture enthusiast. So what's your your of choice way to consume? You know, I think of like podcasts or where I hear a lot of like mm -hmm. discussion about pop culture, like social media or just like TV. I don't know. Yeah. What's I'm your go-to? I'm I'm omnivorous. I get it everywhere. I probably have too many things. I'm the person who has the I'm still on cable plus have all of the streaming. Like I I consume a lot of media i have many subscriptions to things and i read a lot of like and not in a very organized way just i sample everything as often as possible i i talk to as many people who are not in my demo as possible so i can get a better sense especially of my younger people um so you know once i once i hit that stage where all of the um award shows i was like who's that what they do, I don't know. I talk to more people so I can find out. <laughs> I love that. That's a great answer. Abby, do you, and I'm just curious, what do you see, what kind of projects do you see yourself going after or the editorial team going after in the near future? Yeah, we, we are, like I said, building on the rich legacy with uh, Amistad. So a lot of thought leadership and historical will continue to be there. Um, you know, uh, things that, again, <laughs> belaboring the point, connect the dots between the past and the, and the present and the future, honestly. You know, it, one of my first acquisitions was um, John Conyers III's My Father's House, which is part memoir, part biography of his father, John Conyers Jr., who was the lion of, one of the lions of the civil rights movement. So his being a millennial um, and his father being so connected to something that many people think is this much further in the past thing, I think is another way for us to make it a very lived, real connection of how things are different and somehow still the same. So there's that space. Um, I have a particular interest in genre fiction and how we can continue to talk to people and engage them in entertainment. Let's say entertain first and then sneakily engage and, and educate. 
through genre fiction, sci-fi and fantasy particularly. And I think, um, you know, I came in, we had The Woman Could Fly, which was a, a really interesting and smart way of sci-fi approach or fantasy um, to the t- a topic. Uh, and I think that we'll be doing a lot more of that. So we're leaning into accepting, you know, of course, memoirs, celebrity memoirs and things along those lines. So looking to further expand the range of genres to really speak to the fullness of Black humanity. Love that. So Abby, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us about the offerings from Amistad. Uh, These are exciting books, books that are just out, books that are coming out. And of course, there's a rich backlist with Amistad, which, um, you know, we are so honored and proud to have that imprint under the roof of HarperCollins. And we're so thrilled to have you at the helm. And thank you so much for, for bringing all these books to librarians. And we'll be back in touch again soon. Thank you. Thank you, too. Yeah, that's so great. I love hearing what Abby had to say about Connie, Connie Briscoe who uh, started her, actually started her writing career as a novelist at HarperCollins many, many years ago uh, and, and published several books with us. And now she is back with her first domestic suspense novel. It's coming out in March and it's called You Never Know. Let's see what she has to say. Hi, this is Virginia Stanley, Director of Library Marketing at HarperCollins Publishers, and I'm here today with author Connie Briscoe, who will be talking about her new novel, You Never Know. A little background, Connie has been a full-time published author for nearly three decades. She's written nine books, including the forthcoming novel, You Never Know, which is her first domestic suspense novel. It comes out in March 2023 from Amistad, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers. Connie's work has been published globally, hitting the bestseller lists of the New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, and Baltimore Sun, among many other publications. She's been featured in numerous articles and profiles, as well as on television programs such as Good Morning America. Connie was born with a mild hearing impairment, but has never let that hold her back. After progressively losing more of her hearing, Several years ago, she had a cochlear implant and it restored much of what she had lost. She believes that the challenges of dealing with a hearing loss helped make her stronger, more resilient, and more determined to reach her goals. Connie, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I have to say right off the top, it's I was so excited when I found out that we were publishing you because you actually started your uh, writing career your, as a novelist with HarperCollins back in 1994 with your first book, Sisters and Lovers. It's been a while. <laughs> and I'm back at HarperCollins. Very Thrilled. Well, we're, we're, we're so excited. When I saw your, um, your name on the, uh, the schedule for the forthcoming books, uh, I was thrilled because I was here then. And that was- Oh, you were? I was. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I distinctly Mm -hmm. remember that book, that jacket, uh, Library Journal. I have a quote here from Library Journal. Now, this was your first book. Mm -hmm. And they said, Briscoe's finely crafted novel 
is slightly reminiscent of Terry McMillan's Waiting to Exhale and will attract many of the same readers. You're out of the gate with a debut novel and you're being compared to Terry McMillan. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, back then there were not nearly as many um, Black women writing novels as they are now. So um, I'm certainly pleased to be compared to Terry McMillan, but I understand it because there, w- there weren't that many of us out there. And so that was inevitable, I guess. Um, but also very flattering. I can't complain about yeah. being compared to the queen of women's yeah. black women's fiction. Right, right. Um, no, I thought that was amazing. And so, as I said, you went on to uh, publish many other books under yes. many different houses. And you're back here at Harper with You Never Know Now. This is tough. We've we've talked about the fact that it's a little hard to talk about a book uh, of this type, a domestic thriller, a suspense novel, without giving too much away. So I'm going to leave it in your hands to let readers know what you want them to know about this book. Well, <clears throat> as we touched on, it's about Alexis, who is the main character. And like myself, she is hearing impaired and recently had a cochlear implant. And much of the novel deals with how she navigates her hearing loss, how she navigates the circumstances she comes across, both with her husband, who turns out not to be the man she envisioned him as when she married him, as well as a very obsessive ex-boyfriend. And um, I think the novel starts out where she is being attacked. Um, by someone who enters her bedroom. Her bedroom. She's at home alone at night, and she's suddenly attacked. And we're left wondering throughout the novel, who was it who attacked her? And I think as the novel unfolds, there are several characters or a few characters who could be the culprit. And it's just about how she tried to figure out who attacked her, but also later on in the novel, at least, but also how she learns to navigate as a hearing-impaired woman the difficult challenges, namely the difficult men around her, how she has to find her inner strength to deal with some of the challenges she's facing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a wonderful hook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. It tells you just enough. I uh, we, we talked a little bit before about... Um, how she does rely on her other senses at times. Um, And I think her other senses are sort of heightened and inform her of things that are happening. Can you talk about that? I I just thought that that was chilling. I think as a deaf person, and I don't know whether this is a natural inner sense that we have. There have been studies about it something we learn to develop over time. But when you lose one sense, it almost seems as if the other senses are more fine-tuned or you learn to depend on them uh, more than you would if you had all of your five senses. Um, And for me, I think I'm I'm very keen uh, aware of what's going on around me uh, because I don't have sound, so I depend a lot on sight. I became an avid um, lip reader, and um, I used that, some of those uh, senses, some of that ability in the character 
Um, and you never know, particularly before she has her cochlear implant. I will say since I got the cochlear implant, which is really sort of a miracle device in itself, it has uh, allowed me to go from, I had progressively uh, <laughs> progressive hearing loss. I was born with a mild loss that got worse as I got older. By the time I got the cochlear implant, it had gone from a mild to moderate loss to probably more severe loss. The implant restored much of that, um, and I'm now probably considered mildly hearing impaired. So um, I tried to show some of that change with Alexis in the book. Uh, she never totally regains her hearing but she becomes better able to navigate all the different changes and things going uh, on around her. And now I'm trying to remember what your original question was, but I get into talking about the cochlear implant. There's so much. It changed my life so dramatically. And it's hard because I had this implant 20 years ago. It's kind of hard to separate out how my life has changed because I've gotten so used to it as it is now. But I'm certainly very grateful for the technology. Um, and um, I can't imagine my life now without it. But um, it, was a, it was a huge turning point for me. So when I was writing the novel, I had to really think deeply about what it was like back then before I had my hearing and what it might be like for Alexis, as well as what happened just after. Because suddenly, I mean, literally overnight, you can start to hear things that you hadn't heard before. And um, that, and over time, it progressively gets better. I didn't get into all of that in the book. I didn't want it to be about a book about deafness and overcoming deafness with an implant. But I did want to show, I guess, how a, a vulnerable, seemingly vulnerable women, well, even women with um, uh, deafness, can overcome challenges if they pull on that inner strength. I think if you look at all of my novels, Sisters and Lovers, Ventures County, Sisters and Husbands, it's about flawed women or women who are flawed um, from their personality, from physical characteristics or whatever, how they are able to draw on that inner strength that you can find when you need to, to overcome the challenges they face. And this one was particularly challenged because in, in addition to, she's not a perfect character, she's a flawed character, Alexis. And in addition to that, she's dealing with the hearing loss, but she still manages to, I hope, dig in and find that inner strength to, to keep going uh, and to face the challenges around her, namely um, her husband, Marcus, who turns out not to be... <laughs> the man she thought he was going to be, but how many women does that happen to? Um, you know. A lot. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> Too many, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. That what And that's with the title, you never know. You never know. Even people you think you know. Sometimes you just don't. You can't because they don't want you to know them. I'm sure many women can relate to this on some level. I certainly can, personally, from some past relationships. Um, I do draw a lot on my inner life, my past life, um, in this book. I think most authors do. I probably have gotten into my personal life 
and some of the themes in my personal life. It, by no means is Alexis me. Her life is not me. But some of the inner things she goes through are probably closer to me than maybe any other character I've written, especially since I'm coming out with the um, the deafness and how she copes with that. Right. Um, that's the yeah. That's that's really interesting. I I I really liked Alexis because. Well, I love the title. I love the book. I love the title mm-hmm. because there's so much about this book you don't know. People, situations, it's great. Um, I also uh, really loved that um, while I while I understood that the character uh, was hearing impaired, um, that's clear. And then and then I'm just off to the races with the story. What's going on with these two and how, you know, again, without giving too much away, how does somebody who appears one way, who appears one way, then sort of pivots and, and, you know, as you say, you know, you, they, you never know about a person because they don't want you to know about them, but. I don't know if I'm different from most women, but that thing has been a recurring one in my life. And I think for me, I'm married now. I have been for the past 20 years. But given my age, that left a lot of time before that for dating. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, when you meet people, especially in romantic relationships, they tend to show you their best sides. And over time, some some of them are more clever about keeping the facade going for longer periods of time than others are. And um, that plays heavily, certainly, and you never know. I mean, the title surrounds that. But that has been a recurring theme in my life where I'm with a guy and he turns out not to be who he represents himself to be. And that is can be, I was told that can be, I've even talked to therapists about this, that can be particularly challenging for a person like me who is basically honest, trustworthy, um, to a fault almost. So when you meet someone who challenges you in that way, you don't see it because you think that everyone is like you. And that was my weakness for a long time, assuming the best in other people when they didn't have the best to show me. Hopefully I'm past that now (laughs) and I'm a better judge of people. Uh, I'm more critical certainly of men, but um, Alexis being younger than I am, she's still going through this. And she's, and that's what really the novel is about, as I've probably touched on before, is how she copes in this world where people, what they seem, are uh, given her handicaps. Right, right. Um, well, as I say, it's, um, it's such, um, it's, there's such finely drawn characters and there's such a, it's such a good twisty domestic suspense thriller. Um, and it's, it's hard to, to, to talk about the book without, without spoiling it for those who haven't read it yet. But um, would you like to read a section from the book just to give readers a, a sense of yeah. what, you know. I'm a little hoarse from some bug that's in and out, but oh. I'll give it a try and be patient with me. I was just going to read the first two or maybe two and a half paragraphs of the prologue because that kind of sets 
the theme, but what goes on subsequently. <clears throat> and she, this is um, after, well, I just dive in because that's the way it is in the book. So tell me, Mrs. Roberts, Officer Sands said, exactly what happened to you here tonight? <clears throat> the officer spoke slowly and clearly, having learned that the victim was nearly deaf and wore a cochlear implant. EMT workers had treated her badly battered body and feet and legs and wrapped her shivering wet body in a dark, heavy towel. She cradled a bruised elbow in an ice pack on her lap. Her damp, curly hair clung to her cheeks as she rocked back and forth on the living room couch. The EMT workers packed up their medical gear and let themselves out the front door of the townhouse. The white stucco contemporary in unit sat on a hillside overlooking one of several man-made lakes in the planned community of Columbia, Maryland. Wild Lake was not the deepest of the lakes, ranging from 18 to 13 feet, but its deceptively beautiful shimmering waters were dangerous enough to end a life and had nearly ended hers. The assault had started in the upstairs primary bedroom and ended when the assailant threw her from the walkway behind the house and sent her plunging into, into the depths of the lake. Crime scene investigators were still gathering evidence from blood splattered on the floors and furniture tossed about. Others were down at the water's edge, searching in the dark with flashlights. And that's um, the, ver the first scene, the prologue. Um, it goes on about the attack, how she coped with it. And pretty much for the rest of the novel, we're trying to figure out who could have attacked her. Yeah, I'd say it's, 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 um, it's, it's, um, it's kind of chilling, not kind of, it is reading that, reading that, reading that first. It's you, that's the thing with, with, you never know, you just start and there's no good place to stop because you're right there in the beginning when this attack. And especially for her, because she has this added challenge of being hearing impaired. She can't hear when he's behind her, chasing her down the stairs. She can't hear where he is in the room. Is he, has he left the house? And she goes through this trying to figure out. She's putting her ear to the ground, trying to hear, hear her footsteps, because this all happens. Um, she doesn't have her implant in, because when we go to bed at night, we take our implants off. So she's facing this assailant with her implant out. and. She did is challenging for her. Yeah, that's that's the part that's very clear. You make that clear from the beginning that she's got this added um, barricade, I suppose you want to call it. And then so it's really it's very chilling. It's very you are there. Um, I don't know. It's just very, very effective. So just a couple of other questions. And thank you for reading that. This um your your writing has been upmarket women's fiction. You also have a photo essay book coming out from Penguin Random House. I believe it's later this year about yes. uh, stylish black seniors called Stepping Out, which looks wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
I'm excited about that one too. What was the writing process like for you? I mean, you know, you've, you've, this is a different kind of a book for you. So what was, I was curious what, what that was like for you. What was, you know, how did you pivot? I mean, it's not, you know, completely different from the books you've done before, but there's this real, you know, tension filled, like what is going to happen here? And I wondered, how did you do that? I mean, it's just, it's just so There's certainly the suspense part is totally new. I've never done that before. But what a lot of the book is really just um, women's, it's women's fiction with a touch of suspense thrown in. So the women's fiction part, you know, I can write that with two hands tied behind my back. I've done so much of that. So that was easy to come up with a compelling story. I just threw in some suspense and a lot of this, these the suspenseful things that happen with men in the book that are woven into the book actually happened to me or to friends of mine. So it's, it's, but when you're writing women's fiction, you kind of gloss over some of those things because some of it is so traumatic, yeah, uh, dramatic. And um, this time I just let it go. I let it rip. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it was a challenge. A very, it, was, it was definitely a challenge. Um, Mainly writing the suspense parts, the women's part, the story about the you know the falling in love, finding a man who you think is your prince charming, he turns out not to be your prince charming. That I've done many times before, but weaving the suspense into it, it wasn't that difficult because I've lived some of it. I know other people who've lived some of it where men just don't turn out to be what you think they are when you first meet them. Well, I am sorry that. Those um, life experiences are drawn from your own, but I will say that it made the book riveting um, as a reader. Um, and I um, had r- real strong feelings for all of the characters, good and bad. Um, but I, I have to say that I thought that this was just so gut-wrenching sometimes to read and 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 I think Connie that the fact that you drew on your own uh, experiences and or friends of yours um it's um it's touched a nerve because it's Mm -hmm. it all rings so true so I am sorry for those things that that you've experienced but I have to say um it makes for a compelling read um, interwoven throughout the story of this woman and her, her friendships and her romantic relationships. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful book. It's a, it's just a Thank page turn from the very beginning. Yeah. I, I think of it as, as the stuff of life. Life is not always, you know, violets and roses. Um Sometimes it can be very challenging, um, and those challenges are often brought by other people who enter mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. But it, in the end, if you if you are able to navigate it, if you are able to come out on the other side, you become a stronger person for having faced it. And that that's pretty much what I try to show. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. you do. That's Thank you. That's, that's my takeaway on the book. Um, 
So I think I want to just sort of wrap up here by, <laughs> sorry, I know you've just written two books, but I'm wondering uh, what, are you going to continue with domestic suspense? Do you have more ideas down the road, up your sleeve, in your head? Maybe not. Where are you? Yes. As a matter of fact, we are in negotiations with Amistad for my next domestic suspense. Um, I'm a huge fan of, well, a lot of the old timers, um, such as Agatha Christie, um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. So. I'm sort of drawing on some of those um, old themes, but giving it giving it a black perspective. Whether or not this character will also be hearing impaired, I need to think about that. Um, but yes, we it's in the works. <laughs> oh, that's Before great! We, Ooh, I can't wait! I cannot wait! Oh, neither can I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, I want to end with this quote from Karen Slaughter. I mean, readers are. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. This is wonderful. New York Times bestselling author. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this. And I think this this is just so um, in a nutshell. Defines you so perfectly. Karen Slaughter Mm -hmm. says the thing I love about Connie Briscoe now is the same thing I've always loved about Connie Briscoe. She writes highly commercial, pacey character-driven stories. She was made for domestic suspense. I couldn't agree more. Can you imagine? Uh, I was head over heels when I got that. Yes. Couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Well, I splashed it all over my website. (laughs) (laughs) Ours too at Harper. Yeah. It's a wonderful, and it's true. You know, mm-hmm. you, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying her new television series too. I'm oh, well, Trent, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. great. Well, high praise from somebody who is, um, you know, such an such an accomplished, wonderful writer, and 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 is on the money. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a beautiful. Well, I don't want to say it's a beautiful book. What I want to say is that I find that this book, um. You never know is a compelling, twisty, domestic suspense. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what characters to trust. I love the characters, though. They're so fully flushed out, Mm -hmm. uh, finely drawn. I feel like there is representation in here for um, the hearing impaired. Though I don't think that this is, I think that is an element in the book and it certainly does drive some of the moments in the book. I just think that you have, it's been interwoven so seamlessly and, um, and beautifully. And I, I just think this is an extraordinary read. Thank you. I appreciate that. I tried to show how, um, the deafness, the cochlear implant certainly are a part of my life and a very important part of my life, but they aren't my life. That that, that doesn't define who I am. Um, And uh, although certainly necessary and needed, um, I didn't, and that's why I didn't want it to be a central character, sort of, of the novel. Important, but it's it's still all about who you are as a person. Right. 
Right. And, and I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is about the book. It's nuanced. It's there. You make it clear and you get on with this story. And it get on it, with the story. I like get that. on with the story. But it's but it's an element in the story. That's what and they just, want. They want the story. And that and that's what I want them to leave with, despite all the nuances and you know, the characters and the issues and the challenges. In the end, I want them to leave thinking that they were told a good story, that they read a good story, that they were entertained. So readers, you're you're in for a treat. Read You Never Know out on March 14th, 2023 from Amistad, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers. Connie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today about this really unique and compelling book. Oh, I'm happy to talk to you. Thank you for thinking of me. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you again soon. Yes, hopefully. See you soon. Bye-bye. So before we bid adieu and tell you a couple of things we have coming up, we have kind of this fun new feature. Grace, you want to tell them about our voicemail? Yeah, we decided that we wanted to hear more from all of you so that we can call in, you know, tell us about what you ate for dinner last night. I'm kidding. We are asking you a monthly question, obviously book related, and you can leave us a voicemail for the chance to be featured on the pod. Yes. So we love hearing from you. We love two-way communication. I mean, if you want to tell us what you have for dinner, sure. That'd probably make me hungry, but also maybe tell us what you're reading while you're eating dinner. Oh my God, that's such a great idea. (laughs) What you're reading while you're eating, go. (laughs) Dinner and a book. Dinner and a book. So we have a couple people who called in our monthly question for February this episode because, of course, I mean, Natch, it's got to be romance related, right? So we asked what the favorite, what your favorite trope is in romance novels. So here is the first audio. Hi, my name is Donna Berger, and I am a reader services librarian at the Syosset Public Library. And my favorite romance trope is if one of us is famous. Um, I have to love those um, books where one of the two protagonists is a famous person. That's a must read from me. Thank you. Take care. Bye. (laughs) I love that. Second up is... Good afternoon, Library Love Fest team. This is Kim McGee calling from the Lake Travis Community Library. And I was just going to let you know that my favorite romantic uh, trope is something that isn't, doesn't scream romance. Gasp. I really enjoyed something like Ms. Demeanor by Eleanor Lippman because it was funny and romantic and a mystery. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for all you do for the librarians. And we'll see you soon. So great. She's selling books for us. No joke. <laughs> awesome. Hi, this is Casey Davis from the Fairfield Woods Branch Library. And sadly, I do not have a favorite romance trope. Uh, I don't typically read romance, but if there is a murder involved, even perhaps a squirrel, then I'm in. Okay, have a great day. Bye. That is hilarious. (laughs) 
Hello, Library Love Fest podcast. This is Rachel calling in from Rochester, New York. My favorite romance trope has got to be enemies to lovers, of course, with a little bit of uh, maybe fake dating or forced proximity, I think, just to spice it up a little bit. And I am a youth services librarian trainee at the Webster Public Library in Rochester. Uh, Looking forward to hearing the podcast. I hope you all are doing great. Bye. So we have one more. Hi, my name is Nicole, and I'm from the Anthony Wayne Ridgeway Memorial Library. My favorite romantic trope is the enemies to lovers trope. At the beginning of the book, the two characters are enemies, and by the end of the book, they have overcome their differences with each other and fallen in love. The passion that can come from between the pages, from that anger feeling, and then transition to lovers. That is what I enjoy. Books like The Kiss Curse by Aaron Sterling, Book Lovers by Emily Henry, The X Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon, or A Rogue of One's Own by Evie Dunmore. Those are just a few of the enemies to lovers trope that I so enjoy. Look at that reader's advisory. I also really love that trope. I think it might be one of my favorites. I know Elle May says differently in my example, but I think my favorite is Force Proximity. I like the one about the squirrel. <laughs> I think we should make that a new trope. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> What's your favorite squirrel trope? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, of course you can call us at any time. 212-207-7773. Tell us anything. But we do have another monthly question. We're going to premiere it here, but it will also be on social. Like you saw, it was like five seconds. You just call in. It doesn't have to be anything long. Tell us the library. Tell us how to find you and tag you on social. But, Virginia, what's our question this time? Funny you should ask, Lainey. The question for this month is, what is the strangest or funniest thing that has ever happened in your library? Give us your wild stories. I want to hear about it. I just remember Jocelyn Jackson came to TLA a couple of years back and she had that book, Never Have I Ever. And she got up there. It's something it's, you know, we see a lot of author events. This is one that I just so vividly remember like every second of. So Jocelyn got up and she played Never Have I Ever, which was the title of the book. And she was like, put your hand down if I, if you have done what I'm saying. So she said, never have I ever seeing someone getting frisky in the library when they thought no one was around and the fingers that went down for that. There were so many people who, who were like, we have stories to tell. And she actually said, when I'm in the signing line after I have to hear it. So please come tell me the story. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. She's great. Oh my God. She's, she's so funny. (laughs) So that energy, take that into this. Tell us a really Silly story, funny story, people, squirrels in the library, whatever you want. Um, We'd love to play it on the podcast and uh, give you a little platform to to tell us. Because remember, what happens in the library stays in the library until you tell Library Love Fest. (laughs) Yeah. So just between us on the podcast, you know. Yeah. Um, That's for us and whoever listens. (laughs) Yeah. Um. (laughs) Okay, well, that was super fun. I think it was a fantastic episode. Before we wrap up, I know we have a couple of events that we want to tell them about. We have our 
February 14th buzz with Library Journal. It's a webcast. You can go to libraryjournal.com. Grace, you're reading a book. I know that you're super excited. You want to like two sentences, tell them a little teaser. Yeah, I'm currently reading Boy Parts by Eliza Clark, which we acquired from a tiny UK publisher. So we're excited to bring it to the US. And this is for people who love to hate a main character. Pitch Black Comedy, you're going to want to read it and you can hear more about it on February 14th at our buzz. Um, we have another Galley Gab Fest coming up on the 7th. So be sure to join us on Crowdcast and Facebook Live. All these links will be in our show notes. And then we also have Writers to Watch. That's coming later mm-hmm. this month. But we recorded a little bonus content at the end of our last Writers to Watch for January um, with Gail Sukiyama, Nicole Chung, Jasmine Ilani Hakes, and Tao Tai. And all of those authors stayed on after, and we have a little, you can be a fly on the wall, so we just have a minute or two of that. Enjoy. In a sentence or two, either tell us about your book, or tell us what you'd like readers to take away from having read your book. Tell. Banyan Moon is a tapestry of motherhood told through three generations of determined Vietnamese-American women who must excavate their shared legacy to find their way back to each other. Hula is a multi-generational story about a family and community in Hawaii dealing with the lasting impact of colonization, a rising sovereignty movement, and a culture and people fighting for its survival. Brightest Star was inspired by the life of Anna Mae Wong, the first and only Asian American woman to gain movie stardom in the early days of Hollywood. What I would like you to take away when you finish reading the book is to know who she really was, how she pursued her professional ambition during a time when everything was against her, and she paved the way for American Asian actors today. Nicole. A Living Remedy is a memoir of family, forgiveness, inequality, grief, and hope. And as an author, my greatest wish for it is that it will find readers who need it, especially those who've experienced precarity, grief, or painful distance from home and loved ones and help them feel less alone. That was fantastic. Everyone like took that prompt and just out of the park. That's beautiful. Beautiful. I tried to read everyone's books before this, just so that I could feel like I, I, I knew what company I was, I was, and they're all amazing. I'm, I was just so impressed and just floored. And so, you know, I, I, you guys are, I'm in good company here. It's amazing. Likewise. I, I start. I didn't quite get through everyone's, but I started. It was tough. Yeah. I did the same you're all, you're all I wonderful. just wanted to hear your voices. So I, I read the beginnings of all your books. Um, yeah. They're, you guys are writing good, strong books going out into the, the future of future Asian American writers. Um, They'll be reading your book saying, look what she did. Well, and they're being published. And that that to me, having a book in a library or anywhere on a shelf that that I feel like somebody from Hawaii could pick up and go, mm-hmm. oh, that's 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 where I'm from. Yeah. It, it's such a huge thing. And so I can only imagine for all of you, it's it's something of the same. Okay. I hope that was that was fun to listen to because we have another writers to watch coming up in February. All of this can be found on Library Love Fest and 
it's just been so nice to be with you for this some few odd minutes and tell you what's coming up and, and interview some people in Harper. It's kind of fun for us to do that too. It is. Yeah. This is uh this is a lot of fun. Chock full of info and a couple of laughs too. That's a couple. Any more than that is not allowed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Give us a call. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest, on Instagram and TikTok at Harper Library. And you can always give us a call and leave us a message. You might end up on the show. That number is 212-207-7773. Be sure to rate and review us and share the show with a friend. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.